I want to do a slightly different thing starting from now for teach tonight because like I'm growing with you guys you get that right like I'm not like I've not reached it and I'm not just sharing how to reach it you know like, I'm growing I'm going like God will correct me along the way he'll show me new things he'll be like hey when you said that at teach tonight probably wasn't that accurate wasn't that cool I'll be like okay sorry guys and I'll apologize for that like that's gonna happen that's like I'm learning I'm still trying to see him as best that I can so what I want to do is I would like to become more of a spectator at teaching that, if that makes sense. I want to, I want to, I want this to be like, so I just want this to be like the presence of God when you walk in here, you know what I mean? I want to be like, I don't know what teaching that's going to look like tonight. I want it to be a mystery. I want to walk and be like, I don't know what he's going to do tonight. Like I, I know kind of what I'm doing tonight, but he could just do anything. You know what I mean? I want that kind of environment. I want that kind of like, does that make sense? Oh, I'm so hungry for that. Like, I just want to, I want to see what he does. I don't want to like do my human thing where I like three point sermon. Here you go, guys. Have a great week. See you next week. Bless you in Jesus name. Like that's, that's human. I want to do the impossible. I want to do super, I want to live supernaturally. You know what I mean? I want stuff to happen here that like humans can't do. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah, so I want to be a spectator. So I want to make a, a culture like that. So everyone on board with that? Yeah. <laughs> This is, not the, this is not the me show. Like, I could care less about, like, all that stuff about human status and, oh, you're gifted in this and it's, you've brought this many people to Christ and that's all amazing stuff. But I always want to see God. Yeah. Whatever he has and whatever, like, oh, I've heard this prayer past few weeks and it was just like, God, whatever possible grace you have for me, make sure I get every last drop of it and make sure if there's any wrong thinking in my mind that you remove that so I can get every last drop of your grace. Everything that's available for me, I want it. I want it all. And you just go after it. Oh, I'm realizing there's, there's quite a lack of a, uh, a fire and a spirit and a fervor for that kind of stuff where like you think once you're in, you're in and you're like, okay, I'm just going to go along my journey now. No, you never stop. You fix your eyes on him and you run as fast as you can. People say, slow down, bro. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Well, I'm sprinting a marathon then. <laughs> I'm not doing it with my energy. It's his Holy Spirit power in me. You know what I mean? I have to do the impossible. It's, to me, it's not God unless there's the impossible going on, right? Jesus said, oh, here we go. Like, Jesus goes to his disciples like, don't leave the city until you're clothed with power. That's just before he went up into heaven. He goes, don't leave the city. Don't go start doing the mission until you're clothed with power. And I've heard Bill Johnson say about that. He goes, Christianity, without waiting to be empowered by God and led by God and led by the Spirit of God, that's what makes religion. When you try and do it on your own strength and you end up making human routines, schedules, events, programs, you know, trying to draw numbers, pay for buildings. It's just all humans. Humans can do that. That's what businesses do. That's what social clubs do. Anyone can do that. I don't care about that. I want to see... Jesus. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Wow. So what I want to do is I want to do at the very least one testimony per week. And you guys, if I got one to share, I'll share it, but I don't this week. But I want someone just to, sh to like put their hand up and just go, look, God did this this week. And that could be anything. It doesn't have to be someone got out of a wheelchair. It could be God freed me from I don't know, my porn addiction or God um, is moving in the heart of my mom and I thought he, she would never come to God or just something like that. Like, tell us what God's doing in your life. Show us that he's active, he's living, he's moving. He's like, he's not, it's not just a concept. It's not just like ideas and I'm reading out of a book. You know what I mean? Like, it's reality. Like, if this isn't reality, I will pack my bags and I'll go home because I could care less about this stuff. 
honestly. If this isn't, if this isn't real, I'm the last person who's going to join Christianity. Not kidding. I'm not interested. <laughs> it has to be real. It has to be better than whatever else is out there too. If it's not, what a waste of time. I'll go and do that thing. Yeah, so anyway, who's got a testimony of how God moved this week? Doesn't have to be extravagant. I just want to know what he's doing. Sure. Riley, hit yeah. us. Um, so I had the amazing opportunity of going to an amazing concert um, earlier, like sort of last week. Um, and God's really put on my heart to sort of to connect with people, even people that I don't know, which yeah. has been awesome. Yeah. I uh, went with my mom and dad who are not Christians, which is... Wow. Yeah, which is, I want to say awesome, but just because of what God did, it's awesome. Um, made some friends with the people sitting next to me, then made friends with the people that were in front of us. And the guy was well, the guy that was in front of us was like a couple screws loose, but he was awesome. <laughs> he was still awesome. He was, you know, um, he was amazing. And um, he actually started saying, oh, you know, my ankle hurts. Um, and for the way that God's been moving my heart, it was amazing because he sort of, without hesitation, just went, oh, dude, do you want to me to pray? Like, can I pray for your ankle? Yes. Like in front of my, in front of my parents, in front of the people I just met, in front of... And I love that boldness. Those, yeah. Well, it was one of those things where... Like you just like I love how God is just like when when your heart is completely set on on the kingdom like that sort of fear of what people might think even people that are, that are still very close to you and in your mm-hmm. heart like it, that sort of fades and mm. and like I can hear my parents in the background and my mum sort of uh, uh, shocked and embarrassed um, but I ended up being able to pray for this guy who was in front of us um, and he and he was kind of really shocked that his ankles the ankle pain started to go away. Um, and then wow. the lights went down for the concert and the concert was insanely amazing <laughs> but it didn't stop there like after the concert like I kept seeing them and I just sort of went up to them after the, after the gig and I was like who are your parents? sorry? You, your parents or the other guy? the other the guy that the I got to pray for so okay. it was Rob okay um, so I got, uh, I, like I just kept saying, like kept seeing Rob yeah. and I was like wow okay this is too many times okay fine so I went up to him again like dude how's your ankle and he was like yeah it, 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 like I don't want to say that it, it it's it's like not it's still bad and I was like well is like is the pain still there and he's like nah <laughs> yeah. and I was like man Jesus loves you so much and my parents were like come on Riley hurry up and I was like yeah. you guys I'll meet you guys later unless you want to stay um, mm. I just want to pray for, for Rob again and my dad actually hung around which was amazing come on. got yeah. to wow. pray for Rob and yeah. that's a seed went on his merry way in his heart yeah. wow yeah. That's awesome. Um, and I'm just going to, thanks so much for sharing that. It's so cool. I'm just going to say straight up, up front, probably say this many times when we share testimonies, never, ever, ever compare your life to Riley's life and go, oh, I wish I could. Oh, I wish I should have. Oh, I saw someone with a broken ankle today and I walked past them. Da, 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 da. Go listen to my talk. On no, there's no condemnation in Jesus because you can't, Jesus won't let you stay there. He's not letting you go, compare your life to Riley and be like, well, I've only seen a broken finger healed. It doesn't, it's not as good as an ankle. You know what I mean? That comparison thing. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that whole comparison thing, like that, has, that thing has to die. Because what yeah. we're clapping here is we're clapping Jesus because he's yeah. working and moving and he doesn't have to do anything. He's doing it all by grace because he's beautiful and he loves us. Yeah. That's what I'm clapping. That's what I'm stoked for. I'm stoked that God's moving. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I'm stoked that you got to be a part of that and that you stepped out and you were bold and you just did your thing. I'm stoked I could be part of it too. Yeah, come on. That's how it is. It's beautiful, hey? Stoked, so good. So good. Um, Kathy, are you still feeling sick? 
you said your, your stomach was a bit like yeah, off. It felt Little bit. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna let's let's do something here. Let there's a I don't know what psalm this is, but it happens a lot in the Bible. It just says, "I will praise you, God," yeah. <laughs> or it's a, for a Paul writes in Philippians, "Rejoice," and I say it again, "Rejoice always," because it's a safeguard for you. So who wants safety here? Anyone safety? Yeah. Safety. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. If you learn that one lesson, your life will be changed. Rejoice always. How can you rejoice always? Because God is so good, right? Remember the last two weeks? God is so good. There's no way you can rejoice in a God that's not good. Yeah. Impossible. But once you know He's good, you will rejoice in Him every single day. Even when, and especially when, hopefully, like, the world's coming down on you. Because it does happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, let's just like... Lift up our hands right now to Jesus. You just thank Him in any way that you know how. Just, you just do your own thing. You be you. You don't do someone else. You do you. The room doesn't determine what you do. You get to decide. You get to choose. And as you're praying, thanking Jesus, say, thank you that you're healing Kathy. And that by the end of teaching night tonight, she will be 100% healed in the name of Jesus. Peace in the name of Jesus. We love you, God. <laughs> You're beautiful. Love you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Rejoice always. And I say it again, rejoice. Is now a way? Like always? Is, now, is right now a way? <laughs> always. <laughs> rejoice always. The only way you can do that is if you know His goodness, you know His heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for healing Kathy. If you agree and you want it to happen, say Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Anyone else feeling sickness or anything crap? Get out in the name of Jesus. Wow. Come on. I want more of that. This, that, that should be more teaching night. Less of me, more of him. That's what I want. Um, all right. Yeah, rejoice always. It's a good lesson. <laughs> all right, Batman. Um, yeah, Batman. Um, Batman's like my favorite trilogy of like any any movie series out there in the whole wide world. Like, there's a lot of good ones, like The Matrix, Lord of the Rings. I know, look, disagreement already. But look, Batman <laughs> is oh, so damn amazing. Not the old ones, the new ones. And I watched them recently. No, not com no, <laughs> not compared. <laughs> They're corny. These ones are so well written. They're actually, here's the thing about Batman. He's the only true superhero, as in like in terms of the natural world. Do you know what I mean? He uses like gadgets and crap like that. Like he's not like shooting laser beams. It's like, it feels so real in an actual world. Do you know what I mean? Batman and especially The Dark Knight. You guys seen The Dark Knight? Oh my goodness. Like without a doubt, the best written movie I've ever seen. Ever, 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 ever seen. I've watched it. Yeah, teaching that reviews. It's going to be a thing. Who uh, said what? No, I didn't hear what you said. You don't want to know. Whatever, I'm going to prove you wrong in a second. I'm about to tie Bruce Wayne to Jesus. <laughs> um, no, The Dark Knight is like the, the best written film I've ever seen. I've watched it, I think, 13 times now. And every time I watch it, I'm like, I didn't see that part. I learn something new every single time. I'm just blown away. Like, Batman is just incredible. If you, if you guys don't see it this way, you've got to rewatch it. Like, you're not seeing it right. Ask God to reveal it to you. What's going on. Seriously. It's so good. Ah. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, he, reveal, he reveals the truth, even in movies. Legit. Um, okay, the reason I brought that up. Okay, so the story of Batman is Bruce, Bruce Wayne, right? Billionaire. He grows up kind of spoiled, but his parents are like, they, they live in Gotham City and they love the city and they protect the city and they build the city up, right? They get killed. Bruce gets, goes into this spiral and he gets like depressed and whatever and he's like, I want to get revenge. He tries to get revenge, but someone beats him to it. Then he goes on this whole journey of like finding himself, finding what he can do to help Gotham and all this sort of stuff, right? He ends up finding the best thing that he could do is to become an inspiration to the city of Gotham by wearing this mask, right? No one knows who he is and he has zero tolerance for evil. And if you're doing anything outside of like what's good and what's right and what's just, then I'm going to take you down, right? <laughs> that's it. That's Batman. That's his, that's his job title. I'm going to take you down. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. The best thing that I love about Batman is that... <laughs> the best thing I love about Batman is that no one knows that it's Bruce. And Bruce, the whole time, if you go rewatch the movies, he's actually playing this actor of this billionaire playboy with girls in his arms and just like living the life because he's trying to sell the fact that he's not Batman, right? He's living this double life, but who he truly is is actually Batman. You know what I mean? Like who he's portrayed to be is not him at all. And he takes the rap time and time again. Bruce takes the rap or Batman takes the rap, but he goes, I don't care because it's about the city of Gotham. So at the end of the, of the second movie, sorry if I'm spoiling it for you guys, you haven't watched it, right? I'm assuming most, it's been out for a while. Like you haven't watched it, that's your fault. Like, <laughs> um, at the end of the second movie, right? The, the guy they pinned everything on, Harvey Dent, the guy who was um, the, the DA of, of Gotham, who's about to put the entire mob into prison, right? He loses his mind when he loses his girlfriend and he becomes Two-Face, right? You guys remember that? When he becomes Two-Face, like, he's like super scary. Yeah, he, lo he loses the plot. And then they realize, oh my goodness, we put everything on him and he's fallen. So that means the prosecution, I don't know how this, all this justice stuff works, but it, doesn't, it can't actually go through because Harvey fell. And then Batman goes, I'll take the rap. And he goes, you blame me for killing all those people, not Harvey. I'll take the rap. Everyone will hate me for it, but I don't care. It's what Gotham needs right now. And he takes the rap on for himself. And he's like, I don't care that people hate me. I just want a good city. And he, you know what I mean? People hated him. They were like, he killed Harvey, he killed these people, and it was, he became this like villain in the eyes of everyone. But his, his agenda was the city of Gotham, the people of Gotham, right? That's what he cared about, that's what motivated him. And at the end of the last movie, when he like sacrificed himself, and I know he probably survived and all that stuff, but like, it's, he, he was so driven by the fact that he wanted to save these people, and he could care less what they thought of him. It was just so driven by love. Like, it's, re it's really beautiful. If you go back and rewatch it, you'll see how much of Jesus is in it. There's so much Jesus in it. Um, anyway, here's my question. The reason I brought that up. So, it's not, it sounds like kind of a weird question, but what did Bruce Wayne attempt to restore in Gotham? Just shout, shout some things out. Hope? Peace. Peace. What else? Good. Good. Unity, Unity. Justice. justice, restoration. Restoration. He wanted to bring back political balance. He wanted to inspire people. He wanted to encourage people that you know that goodness is still there, right? All these things. He didn't go after one thing. He didn't go. To, he didn't go there to bring peace. You know what I mean? He went there for the whole thing. And what he actually did was, and this is key, 
It's key to where I'm going tonight. What he did was he tried to get Gotham back to its intended, original, created purpose. A city where everyone builds each other up in business and in love and in friendships. That's what cities are there for, right? We're, we're coming together. You know what I mean? That's what he's going after. He's going back. And, and you know what was stopping it from being there? Evil. Mm. Evil stopped it from being there. Evil, evil took away peace. Evil took away justice. Evil took away hope. Evil took away inspiration. Evil took away joy. Evil took away strength. Evil took away um, correct politics. Evil took away business because of the drug scene. Evil took away a fair chance at life. Look at all these things that evil took away. You know what I mean? In one fell swoop, evil just comes and takes it all away. And so Batman goes after evil. He defeats evil. And in so doing, he brings Gotham back to how it was destined to be from the very beginning, how it was designed to be. You guys following? Mm -hmm. Okay, the reason I bring this up is because I wrote on my little teaching night schedule that after I'd established faith and after I'd established truth and after I'd established the goodness of God, I'm going to get into the cross of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I wrote. Because the second that you guys get that you can't escape what the Bible says because you, you, you take it, you read it, you receive it as truth, right? Because you know it, you're comparing it to the sun. See, of all the things we've already established so far. See, see, see how I'm building here? I'm building to a point. I'm building to a point of who you are in Him and who He is, you know, in Jesus, right? I'm building it to a point that you can't escape everything that, I'm, that the Bible teaches. Does that make sense? So, we've established truth, we've established faith, we've established hope, we've established the goodness of God, right? Maybe not everyone agrees we're all on the exact same page, but mostly, for the most part, we're on the same page, right? So now, let's get into the thick of it. Let's get into the cross. Like, what did Jesus actually do? What did he accomplish? And I started thinking about this that this past week. And I promise this sermon's not from me. I didn't have anything to preach up until, like, yesterday. Like, and that's how I want it. I want it to be like that. Like I said, I want to be a spectator. I want to just write in what I think God wants me to preach, and then he'll just give me a sermon. And that's what he did. He gave me the whole Batman thing, and you can thank him for that. Um, <laughs> not my idea. Um, so I started to think about, like, what is the gospel, right? What is the good news? You guys, heard, you guys know what I'm talking about, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, right? Everyone's heard that term, right? It, it, gets, it gets said at so many different things sometimes, and it's kind of confusing as to what it is. Does everyone agree? Yeah. It's like, well, he did it to defeat the devil. Like, that's the good news, right? Jesus had defeated the devil. But what about sin? And what about the atonement? And what about the sacrifice? And what about new creations? And what about all this, right? And I realized that there's actually so much stuff. Like, even John Piper has this thing called 50 Things the Cross Achieved. And it's just like, there's so much that the cross achieved. So for me to go, okay, tonight we're going to talk about how Jesus paid for your sin, which is usually how the gospel gets presented. And although that's true, that's not the whole picture. You know what I mean? Because if we just get that he forgave us of our sins, we can go to heaven one day. What the heck are we going to do between now and then? We're just going to wait around for a boat to come and pick us up and then we'll go to the kingdom. <laughs> like, usually, you'll, you'll, you'll find... Oh, it's a plane. Come on. <laughs> God's old, old school, okay? He's like, he's retro. <laughs> the bat. <laughs> Love that. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> Taking it too far. Let's let Batman die right now. Batman, you are dead in the name of Jesus. All right. Um, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, okay, right. So. If it gets preached as 
Jesus died for the forgiveness of your sin, which of course is 100% true, and that's as far as you take it, would you wonder why your life isn't as transformed as his? Like if that's really as far as the gospel went, the good news of Jesus, he died for your sin, he, all the things he did, all the bad things he did, doesn't matter how far you went, doesn't matter how, how bad you did, it's how people preach it, right? Doesn't matter how far you went, all that sort of stuff, doesn't matter your heart, he forgives you, if you're forgiven, you're made whole in him. Cool, that's, oh, thank you, Jesus, that's amazing. And that fact, that is freaking amazing. I'm not, don't have me selling that short. I'm just saying, like, it's like Batman going after political, like, fairness and balance. He didn't go after that. He went after the whole thing. And that's what the gospel did. Jesus went after the whole thing. What God intended when he made Adam and Eve in the earth in the first place, Jesus goes, I'm going to get all of that back. And that's the gospel. <laughs> We're going to get into that tonight. Um, that's the good news of Jesus. Because even Jesus goes, go now, and this is, uh, Mark 16, go now and preach the gospel to all creation, which must mean that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the, what Jesus accomplished, must affect every part of creation. Mm. Animals, even. People that haven't been born yet, or like trees, like everything's being made new. Everything. You know how the Bible says that? All things, behold, all things have um, been made new. <laughs> all things. Remember how I said the Bible doesn't like, doesn't go non it's always black and white? Mm. All or nothing? Where does he go? Jesus goes, yeah, I'm going for all. Mm. Sweet. All things. And you go, Nath, but I haven't experienced all things being made new. We'll get to that. But, okay. Um, you can flip here if you want. Luke 19. I'm just going to pick one verse. Luke 19. But this verse is exactly summing up this entire talk. Luke 19, verse 10. I'm waiting. Yeah, I'm ESV. Yeah. Um, Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. For the Son of Man... Make sure you highlight this verse. This is pretty important. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Not just to save, but to seek, right? To seek and to save. Some translations say, and this is kind of more what I'm getting at, because you might read that and go, oh, he just came to redeem people, right? Well, some translations are actually right. He came to save and seek that which was lost. Mm. Now, I'm going to show you tonight what God intended from the very beginning in creation, what then was lost, and then you'll know what Jesus came to save and seek, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So we've got to first establish what was, then establish what was lost, and then we know what Jesus did. Right? Yeah. Makes sense? Cool. All right, let's go Genesis chapter 1. Sorry, I didn't keep you in Luke for long, did I? It's actually, it's really important that you guys get really familiar with Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Let me just say that right now. I, I, I often start my talks here and there's a particular reason by it, why I do that. Because I want you to see God's heart from the beginning. 
Because if you can't see his heart from the beginning, you might be a bit confused about what he's doing right now. Because this, this is like God, Genesis 1 and 2 is how God wanted it to go ideally, right? Like it didn't end up being that way, as you know, but that's what he intended. Does that make sense? That's his design. That's his... Yeah, you get it. So, okay. I'm not going to read just yet, but God, because he is love, love is selfless. Love doesn't think about itself. And so love seeks the best for others. And that's where, it's, that's where it finds its joy. I said that before. I'm going to say it again until it sinks in. That's where, it's fi- that's where you're going to find your joy. When you learn what love is. When you learn that you go to bless God, be connected with God so he can know you and you can know him and be connected like that. And then you go and bless others. You pour yourself out for others. Man, that, that is serious. It doesn't even compare like that kind of joy that you get from blessing others genuinely and you see someone's face light up because you just gave them 20 bucks and they thought they were bankrupt and da 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 Like, <laughs> that's what you're made for, just so you know. Anything else, everything else, secondary. Love's what you're made for because he is love. And so if he's love, by his own very nature, he's a sharer, right? He's not selfish. He likes to share what he has. And so that's his motivation for creation. He wasn't lonely. He wasn't bored. He wasn't sitting in space going like, man, I'm going to have some people so I could torment them and da 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 like, You know what I mean? Like things that people think as if, like God's love. He doesn't do that. He makes things with the heart intention. His goal, his, his long-term goal is, I am so stoked to see the smile on their face when they realize how good this is. You know what I mean? That's what's driving him. So when you get a revelation from the word and you go, God, you're amazing. He's stoked you got that. He's not withholding revelation until you, until you do something or you become something or you pray something. You know, he wants to give you this stuff. Isn't that what Jesus said a few weeks ago when I, when I did my talk? Like, you're, how much more, how much more was it, does your heavenly father want to give you good gifts? If you are evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your dad who's good? would know how to do it. You know what I mean? He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to heal you. He wants to see you set free. He wants to give you revelation. Then we start asking, oh, why? Why haven't I seen it? Da, 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 da. We're going to get to that at some point for sure. But like, that's not the focus of right now. But I just want you to see that God's a sharer. And he, he's also a God of, of order. Like as you, as you I'm not going to read it, but as you read over Genesis 1 and 2, God goes, on the first day, it was this. Wait, God says, da 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 and it was so. Then it was evening, then it was morning, it was the first day. Morning and evening, then it was the first day, right? Next day, God said, da 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 and it was so. And it was morning, and it was evening, and the next day. It's just this pattern, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, right? And then after each day, he goes, and it was good. You know what I mean? And then we get to where he creates man. So let's read from 126. So... God, God's stoked so far, just so you know. He's, he's pretty stoked at what he's made, and he hasn't made man yet. He's made an earth, he's made water, he's made the sun, he's made the sky, he's made animals in the air, in the sea, and on the land. And he goes, this is awesome. <laughs> but he hasn't said this is very awesome yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> Genesis 1:26. Then God said, so after he created all that I just said, Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And it goes on to say that he has put creation underneath man. The first thing he says, I'm going to make him in my image. Then what? Have dominion over every single creeping beast on this earth. And then he goes, by the way, you can see this in the next few verses. I've given you every tree on this, on this earth, every tree with seed, and you shall have them for food. So the creation is underneath man. And then you can read it. Um, verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. So it was good up until the point man got there. And then he put man over all the rest of what he had made so far. And then he goes, now that's very good. Because that reflects more of him. Because he's a leader. He's in authority. He has things under him. Do you know what I mean? Once he had uh, beings reflecting him with stuff under him, <laughs> under the man, right? Then he goes, yeah, that's, that's really good. <laughs> and he's stoked. You know what I mean? You can, you, can you see God's heart here? His, his design, his beauty, his, his desire for order and like for, for blessing the man. It says he blessed them. Verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Like, we think that God's like against sex in the church. Like, we're, it's this ta dirty taboo topic. He invented it. And he goes, be fruitful and multiply. He's like, do it a lot. <laughs> fill the earth. If you want to fill the earth, you're going to have to have sex a lot of times, right? <laughs> you want to fill this earth. Is this earth filled right now? No. It's still going. <laughs> I'm just saying. He's not against you and he's not against sex. He, he's the one who designed it. You know what I mean? We've got to get away from the... Oh, we're going to get into sex at some point as well. I feel it in my heart. It's, we've got to break its tabooness. It's so taboo in the church. I hate it. We can't even talk openly about it. It's just this really funny thing. We all laugh and go, hee hee hee. It's like... <laughs> we, no. No. Yeah. Yeah, legit. You guys all just laugh. No, that you're laughing at me. I know what you're doing. <laughs> um, no, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, okay, so, so if you're writing notes, write part one on your thing. Part one, God's intended design, if you're writing notes. So, so good. Now, it also pleased God, so it's pleased God so far to create this order, to put man above all of creation, have creation serving man and having man serving God, right, underneath God. It also pleased God to put a tree that they weren't allowed to eat. How many of you, you guys know the enemy didn't put that tree there? God put it there. And why? Because that's how you make a relationship. When you have the option of not choosing someone and then they still choose you, that's love and that's beauty. So the tree's there, like, intentionally. I think, to some extent, the tree will be there in heaven. <laughs> kind of has to be, right? Like, that's what makes it beautiful. Otherwise, it is, like I said a few weeks ago, it's technically a prison. <laughs> you can never get out. It makes it beautiful if you can choose not him. Um, so good. Thank you, Jesus. Now, also, the devil was also on the earth at this point, right? Do you guys know that God has the power to cast him down to Mars? He could have done that. He could have cast him to Neptune <laughs> or any of the other billions of planets. He put him on the earth. Why did he put him on the earth? To 
Testament. See, first thing happens in Jesus' ministry, what happens? Holy Spirit leads him into the desert, into the wilderness, to what? Be tested. And then that's when he comes out of the, out of the desert in spirit and in power. And that's when he starts his ministry. Wow. It's almost like, until you pass the test, I can't give you all that you need to do, what you need to do with. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's just not beautiful to worship God if he's your only choice. It's beautiful when the devil's right there tempting you and it sounds like a good offer. And you almost do it, but then you go, no, nah, Jesus. That's, that makes God look amazing. Because it was so, that thing was so powerful to you. You know what I mean? It meant a lot to you, for, to you to say no. The more it means for you to say no, the more powerful it is when, when you say yes to the other thing, right? So it's, it's pleasing God. Like the devil doesn't please God, but it's pleasing him. Like God put him there. Do you get that? He put him there. It's weird to think about, but he put him there. Um, what's funny is the devil appears in the form of a creeping beast. Who's in charge of the creeping beasts? Man. He comes as a serpent. It actually says, um, Genesis 3.1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. How many times do you read the term beast of the field in Genesis 1 and 2? A lot. Beasts of the field, beasts of the field. And it goes, the serpent was the most crafty out of all of them. <laughs> so I'm just trying to get you guys to see what, what was God's original design? Because I think sometimes in church we go, see, God originally designed for us to live in the garden and to give us authority to rule over the earth, to subdue it, to fill it, to multiply, to work the, to work the garden and to walk with him in the cool of the day. But now he's really regretting that because that didn't go so well. So what his now plan is to destroy sin through Jesus. So now we can just go and be in heaven. But what about the dominion? And what about the being fruitful and multiplying and working in the garden? What about all that stuff that God wanted from the beginning? What about the order? What about where the, the creation is under man again? rather than the creation destroying man. You know what I mean? Where's that? Where's that part of God? Because I'm just going to let you guys know, you're going, to be doing, you're going to be doing work in heaven. And it's not going to be laborious. Like God made Adam to enjoy work. That's why he put him in the garden to work it. You know what I mean? You're going to be doing work in heaven. I reckon there's going to be business and commerce and trade and finances. I think so. There's nothing wrong with it here. So why would it not be there? You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're, he, he gave us a planet. It's all null and void and empty, but with a garden. And he goes, yeah, fill and subdue the earth. Basically, make the rest of the earth look like this garden. That's your project. Have fun. I'll, I'll work with you with it. You know what I mean? So if you, if you just think he's just coming to take us back to heaven one day, like, I think you've missed it. His, his first thing he said out, out of his mouth after creating us was, and let them have dominion. And let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. <laughs> let them rule. Let man rule. <laughs> See, I think we think that sometimes when the fall happens, and we're going to get to that in a second, but we think when the fall happens, we lost our relationship with God, and that was kind of it. But you lost way more than that. Do you guys know what I mean? You lost heaps. You lost... Where is it where, like, the man rules over the spider? See, right now, if you get bitten by a certain spider, you die. Mm -hmm. Did God intend that? <laughs> no. Where is it that the man rules over creation again? Where is that? Anyway, we're getting there. So this is part of the all things. God's making all things new. Okay. Um, yes. Okay. My wife is amazing. and She bought me this whiteboard today from Kmart. 
and I think it's going to be half of the people listening on the recording, but I'll try and explain it as well. What I'm going to do is, I need you guys' help as I'm writing this out. Yell out what was part of God's original design. Anything. Could be a feeling, could be a feature, could be... Just yell it out and I'll write it down Joy. as we go. Joy. Relationship. Not too fast because I'm not that fast at writing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Peace. Yep. Love. 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 Yep. Authority. Yep. No sickness. Ooh. Yep. Friendship among animals and people. Yeah. So like, I don't know. What's a word to that? <laughs> like, uh, I'm just going to write. Oh, oh, many. That's a good word. Thanks, guys. Oh, I didn't know that she just said it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's fully legit though. Um, what else? Good stewardship. Awesome. Productiveness. Beauty. Beauty. Prosperity. Whoa, prosperity. It's controversial. Um, what else? Give me two more. Yep, one more. Love. We've got love. Oh, got it. Free will. Right. Huh? Free will? Free will? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting one. I'm not going to write that because that's going to open up a can of worms that I'm not keen to go to yet. Okay. Um, but good suggestion. An anything else? Fulfillment. Fulfillment. Oh, man. Selflessness. Oh, I can't even spell fulfillment, lol. <laughs> <laughs> You get the tip. Um, I can't write either. I'm really messy. I've always been, so just get used to it. Hopefully, you can read that. So, just for the people listening on the recording, I've got a whiteboard and it's divided exactly down the middle. One side says design, one side says fall. On design, we've written joy, relationship, dominion, peace, love, authority, no sickness, harmony, sex, good stewardship, beauty, prosperity, life, and fulfillment. Now, okay. If you're writing notes, write down part two, the fall of man. I'll come back to that whiteboard in a second, leave you in a bit of suspense, it's good. Um, okay, Genesis 3, let's read from there, Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was... Um, to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Highlight with her. And he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Okay. So the beast of the field shows up, this random serpent, and apparently he's more crafty than everyone else. I don't know what that means. Does that mean that every single animal also spoke and they had some level of craftiness, but... The serpent was the most crafty. Like, that's how it kind of reads. So maybe in heaven, all the animals will talk. I don't know. Um, but basically, what he does is 
he tricks the man by quoting God and saying, no, 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 he didn't mean that. So just so you know, if you're going to follow Jesus, I per I'll say this to Brad on the way here, I personally think if the, the devil is very smart. He has an army and he has strategy. And the strategy is destroy you and destroy your life and destroy your relationship with God. Do you want to know the best, one of the best ways to do that? Make you think that the stuff you're reading about God in the Bible doesn't actually say what it means. Doesn't actually mean what it says, sorry. That makes sense? No, God didn't mean that, bro. Don't worry. He just meant that if you ate that tree, you'd actually technically become more like him. So, yeah, go, like, if you want, go for it. It's just twisting, you know what I mean? I personally think the enemy has a sanction of his army reading and studying scripture 24-7. He knows it way better than you. And he'll know, he knows exactly what it means, but he knows how to get you to think it doesn't mean what it says it means, what it, what it actually says. He knows it better than you. It says in James that the, the demons believe the word and they shudder. They believe it. They already believe it. You know what I mean? Nay. Yeah. Just, you can answer it at the end if it's like irrelevant. But yeah. you know how like you said that the demons and stuff know the word better than us and like mm. they understand it. Um, I absolutely see how like that must be true because they need to know like the opposite strategy to try to combat it. But yeah. doesn't it say like the only way that you can understand it is if you have the mind of Christ? Like how do they, I don't know. Yeah, that's such a good question. I think um, there's a difference between understanding what it means and then receiving it for yourself. Right. Because the demons cannot receive anything that this says. They read it and they believe it 100% in full agreement. Well, they don't even reject it. That's the thing. They actually accept it in terms of it's true, but they can't enter into it. Right. And so you can only enter into the reality of the Word of God when the Spirit of God reveals it to you. Because yeah. the Pharisees, they memorized the oh, Torah. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they memorized it. They knew it. They agreed with it. But they didn't have revelation, understanding of it. The Spirit of God didn't make it known to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, cool. It's different. Like there's a difference between... That's why you, that's why you can never study your Bible to know God. Mm. Like that's one of the biggest traps in the church. Study your Bible and you can learn who God is. No. You study your Bible... You learn and you receive who God is through revelation. The Spirit of God searches all the deep... Remember I, I spoke on this week four, I think? Um, the Spirit of God searches all the deep things of God and He has revealed them to us. We have Him. We have the mind of Christ, right? You don't, you don't learn it by studying. You don't go and read and go, okay, we're going to read one chapter today and just try and memorize it. And No, you don't. That's not how you do it. It's not a textbook. It's not even... It's not a newspaper. It's not a... Not, it's not anything else you've ever seen. It's living. It's sharp. It's active. It's alive. You know what I mean? It's the Spirit of God has to teach you to it or you'll never know it. And I love that about it because it means the smart people don't have an advantage and the good studiers don't have an advantage. The people who have an advantage are the humble, open, soft hearts. That's who God teaches about the Word. How amazing is that? I love that. I'll never get over that fact. I just think it's amazing. He designed it so that the proud couldn't get in. It's so cool. Anyway... Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Yay, thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so I'm not going to go too much into the fall here, but like, I just want you guys to see that the enemy tricked man and the enemy took place, took the place that man had by getting him to obey him. Does that make sense? Remember, I've, I've, I've kind of already covered this, but the enemy then, I believe got shifted into authority over the world because the one who had authority 
gave it to him by agreeing with him. Mm. It's just kind of how it works in, in the spiritual sense. Like if you agree with something, that's what you obey. So if I'm getting this a practical real life example, let's say I'm getting smashed with like, I'm just really tired. I'm feeling really sick. I'm really over it. Like you might look at me and be like, oh, that, that's a really difficult situation, right? But I can still choose God in that situation. Does that make sense? I don't have to give in to that. If I give in to that and I go, I can't do this right now because da 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 da, I'm living something outside of the life of Jesus. Does that make sense? That's good, yeah. 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 Awesome. Kind of back to the whole feelings thing, they don't rule you. Um, wow, okay. So, God loved the fact that there was order in creation, that creation was underneath man, man ruled over it. What happened here? The serpent who was underneath the man then got flipped and the order of creation got flipped. You know what I mean? Like we're, we didn't write down order in that little thing, but that's part of his creation. God's a God of order. You know what I mean? God at the top, man underneath, then everything else in creation, including the angels and the demons, whatever. But you know what I mean? So... You see how it's just going against God's design? It's breaking down. It's already starting to break down what it is that we, we originally had. And I'm going to show you that basically all these things that you guys wrote down, every single one of them will either be lost or be tainted by this fall. You'll, have, you'll still have like relationships and you'll still have sex and love, but it's going to be so tainted and not in its original design because now it's under the influence of sin and death. So... Um, okay, thank you, Jesus. You're amazing. We love you. So I think there's like a common belief that all we technically lost when, when we did sin and enter into the fall is like a couple of things. You know what I mean? Like, because God shows up in a second, right? And he curses the serpent, then he curses the man, and then he curses the woman, Right? in order of whose fault it was originally. So, and notice how he coached the man before the woman, even though the woman ate the, fr the fruit first, because the man was supposed to look after the woman, and, he, and it says he was with her. So it was the responsibility of the man to step in and say, hey, get out of here, serpent. <laughs> but he didn't, because he was a coward, and he gave in. So, we might think that all we really lost was... Like it says, okay, the, the curse against the, the serpent was that he would have, to, ooh, sorry, would have to crawl on his belly all the days of his life, right? That's the, that's the curse that was put on Satan, all on the serpent. The curse that was put on the man, that he would have to work very hard. And his, his, his labor would no longer be enjoyable, but would be laborious and be very difficult. And the woman's curse was childbearing would be very painful, right? So you might look at that and be like, man, like all they all they lost was those three things. It's not that big of a deal. But then you start reading the rest of the Old Testament and literally in the next chapter, the first murder happens. Like you go from this, is it extreme? Like chapter one and two, beautiful, order, amazing, beauty, dominion, like everything complementing each other, underneath God, underneath man, you know? Sin comes in and God doesn't even talk about murder. Like they wouldn't have even, would they have even known what death was? Like that's the thing. Like it's not, it's not even programmed into you. Like, you ever see a kid first learn about death when they're very young? It's very, it's a very strange concept for them. It's like what they they're, they're the gone. Death because the animals seem to be um, yeah. The clothing and 
Yeah, which is beautiful, isn't it? Because God, God kills these animals and clothes Adam and Eve. Wow. Um, yeah, it's like a prophetic image of the fact that he's going to kill his son yeah. to clothe them and cover their shame. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. Cover the nakedness. Because the first thing that happens, right, when they eat, eat of the tree, they, they realize that they're naked. They realize that they are, and they're, they're ashamed of that, and they cover themselves up. And then Adam starts blaming Eve and then blaming the serpent. And he's self-defensive. So he's, in, he's insecure. He's protecting himself. When really he should have said, it's my fault, I should have stopped the serpent. That would have been the right thing to do. But he's, he's so insecure and embarrassed and humiliated now. So there's a lot more going on here than just like, oh, they, God just cursed this, this, and this. They lost, like, they lost everything to some extent. Every single thing that they had. Although they didn't die. They died spiritually and their relationship with God died. You know what I mean? But God perseveres with them. And what's beautiful is, read this, Genesis 3, 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. So he's talking to the serpent here. So this is Satan. He shall bruise your head and you shall uh, bruise his heel. So within, before he even gets to cursing the man and the woman for disobeying him, right? He prophesies about Jesus. He goes, there's going to come one from your line, from the line of the woman, but from her offspring. And it wasn't Adam's offspring. Remember that, right? So Jesus was born. He's talking about Jesus here. Wasn't born through the line of Adam. Because that, the line of Adam was cursed. And they were all created in the image and likeness of Adam after he sinned. You can read that in Genesis 5. But God goes, he prophesies and he goes, I will send an offspring from your offspring to the woman. He will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. I think that's how it goes. But, and like straight away, God's, God's, God, like God's had his, um, his creatures disobey him, walk away from him and ignore him. And then immediately his plan goes into the fact, how can I get this back to how I started? And he starts planning straight away. You know what I mean? Because Jesus, I'm going to show you, is getting all of this back. See, it's, it's, it's so much not just that on this wretched, poor, like crap thing. Jesus, help me, save me. Please take me to heaven one day. Look, you were that, but like, I'm going to show you Jesus, the, what the cross did. He, he's restored you. He's restored you back to what God intended. Why would God want anything else? Why did he change his mind? Why is he, why is he creating us in one way? And he goes, no, it's a bad idea. I'm just going to do something else now, completely. No, he's, if anything, he's going to take you back to where he started, right? After you'd been through what happens when you, when you walk away from him, and now you've gone back. <laughs> anyway, let's get going. Actually, flip over to Romans 5 for just a second. I want to show you something. Romans 5. Starting verse 12, Romans 5. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. Who's that? Adam. Adam. So just, just in the same way that sin came into the world through Adam and then death through sin... And so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Talking about Jesus. All right. So 
I looked up a few months ago, I wanted to see the, the word count of different words in the Bible in order of most to least used. I just was just fascinated by that. <laughs> God's like the top one, and it's like Lord, and then it's like Jesus, then Christ, and then stuff. But like number six or something is death, which I didn't expect it to be that high. And by the way, Satan and Lucifer and whatever that, like he's like really down the bottom. Like the, 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 the enemy does not give him much time. I mean, sorry, the Bible doesn't give him much time. It talks about God. <laughs> yes. Was death above life? I think that was above life. Yeah, from memory. Anyway, I was just fascinated by it. And I started thinking about like death. Like the way that we talk about death is when a person dies, right? That's what we mean by death. But I think the definition of death is far grander than that. And so when you say that Jesus has defeated death, you're going to get a far bigger perspective of what he actually overcame. So, okay, look at this list again. What if death didn't just come to life, as in you now die physically, your body dies and your life ends. What if death came to all of these things? Does that make sense? What if death came to joy? What would that look like? Like originally you had this joy, but now it's tainted by death. Or what about relationships? If death came to relationships, you'd have, yeah, you'd have broken relationships, you'd have self-absorbed relationships, you'd have abusive relationships, you'd have manipulating relationships, you'd have lying, cheating, stealing. Girl, sorry, just a little bit distracting. Um, love it, can't wait. Um, what about, what about if, if death came to dominion? See, maybe, maybe death is not this thing where it's like you just stop and you die and you fall into the ground. Maybe death is this slow, decaying, corrupting thing that affected the entire globe and everything that you were created to be. Everything that you were... Maybe you even feel like this in your life. Every area of my life is falling apart. Every area of my life is being attacked. My finances, my joy, my sleep, my health, my happiness my work, everything, right? That's death. For me, that's, that's a much better understanding of what death is. And that's why it's used so much. And that's why when it says what I just read in Romans 5, death spread to all men through sin. So when we sinned, it wasn't just the fact that God's going to punish us and then we're going to get these different things. We lost everything. That's what I'm trying to show you. You've lost, in a sense, everything. And what you have right now is by the mercy and goodness and grace of God. Like if the devil had his way, he'd destroy you completely. You know what I mean? But when you start to say that, you're like, yeah, man, God, you are good. Because like the stuff you intended for me, like that, that's how I want it to be. I really want to go back to where it was in the garden. And that's what you intended for me. Yeah. It's, it's obvious. I can see that in how you designed it. And the devil's the one who stole that from me. See, get, get your eyes on the, on the right enemy. Stop blaming God for your life. It's not God's fault. It's the enemy's fault. Fix your eyes on him. I've, I've seen, oh, it breaks my heart so much. I hate it. But I've seen people go through horrible tragedy and trauma and bad things. And their understanding of God was, he must have allowed this to happen to me to teach me a lesson. Da, 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 da. And you know what happens? They, in every area of their life, shut down. And they're just, they become honestly miserable and hopeless. And it's very difficult to talk to them anymore. Do you know why? 
they made the enemy God. Instead of the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, they said, no, God um, stole, killed, and destroyed my life. Warped thinking. See how powerful Satan's strategy is against believers? If I can just get you to switch that, that thinking to this way, I'll fully destroy not only your relationship with God, but your entire life in the process. You've got to have right thinking about this, guys. I'm, I'm strong on this. I'm very strong on this. Fix your eyes on Jesus, knowing that He is the ultimate source of good. In Him is life and there's no darkness at all. In Him is life is no darkness at all. And understand that the enemy is the one to blame. Yeah. And then you'll actually join in the fight. And you'll stop wondering, God, where are you? When are you? Da, 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 da. And you'll take the authority that, that Jesus has given you by His name. And you'll crush Satan. It says 1 John 3, 8. This was the reason the Son of Man came, to destroy the works of the devil. But I thought the Son of Man came to, to forgive us of our sins. He did that. Do you know how He did that? Destroyed the works of the devil. See, it's a lot, it's a lot bigger than this, like, sin forgiveness sort of picture that we get sometimes it's it's everything the gospel affects everything come on all right um okay jesus we love you so oh yeah this is good this is so good jesus you are amazing we honor you okay Here's a question for you. When we sinned, did we lose the image of God? You sure? You sure? I like it. You stuck through it. You passed the test. Three temptations. <laughs> I'll now give you power in the name of Jesus. Well, I mean, it says um, it in Genesis, doesn't it? We were created in His image. How can we lose that? Yes. Well, here's the thing, though. Like... It does say that, but then you go and you see people out in the world living like Satan. And it's like, whoa, that can't be the image of God. So what's happening there? Like, that's kind of the, the point I'm trying to bring up. What I'm going to say is, and this, is, this comes from Isaiah 52:14. So his, Jesus, his appearance was so marred, as in so beaten, so bloody, so destroyed. His appearance, right, was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So... Jesus, just so you know, was absolutely beaten to a pulp. More than any, it says, more than any human ever. That's your God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Isaiah 52, 14. Uh, yeah. He was beaten worse than anyone ever. Times a million. And somehow he didn't pass out. Somehow he said, I don't know how he kept going. Miracle. But... Why did he have to get beaten so bad? Is because that is the image of what happened to us through the fall. So what Jesus looked like, that's how far we fell from our image of God in which we were created. Does that make sense? So Jesus took on our image completely selflessly. He did nothing to deserve that. He got beaten so bloody and marred and we were so lost in our in our futile thinking the new testament says we were so lost we're so far from our original created value and jesus goes i'll take that on for me and he gets beaten and he goes now you take my perfect self and i'll give it to you and you can clothe yourself in that and keep walking through life 
Jesus. We like honestly, you guys know this, but I'm just gonna like hammer this home. Humans fell so far from their pedestal. They still had the image of God, but it was marred. Marred so badly and deeply, you couldn't recognize God in them. You're supposed to look at humans and go, whoa, God's amazing. Like you're supposed to look in the mirror and go, I see God. Legit. Not kidding. Are you guys know, anyone know Curry Blake? Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Um, they have this one, oh, Jules, you know Curry Blake. Um, you, uh, he, he's got this one cover called, he's got this one series called The New Man and the photo of it is a guy looking in the mirror and who's looking back is Jesus because that's the new man. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, this is what Romans 3 says of how far we fell. Romans 3, right? So this is Paul quoting all these Old Testament passages and putting it all together. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands no one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. It's hectic. Their throat is an open grave. Wow. They use their tongues to deceive. Their venom, the venom of asps, which are snakes, is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I read that when I was writing this down. I was like, it almost sounds like it's talking about demons. You know what I mean? That's what it sounds like. It's like they are destroying people. They are horrible. There's no fear of God before them. They're, they're poisonous. They're selfish. They're not, no one understands. No one, no one does good. No one. And that's what it sounds, sounds like. It's talking about the demonic, right? Well, that's not surprising because that's who, who humans submitted to and said, I'll follow you. So no wonder. We're, like, it says, okay, if you guys want to know about the history of Satan and all that sort of stuff, go read Ezekiel 28. It says, one day unrighteousness was found in Satan. He was the most highest esteemed angel in heaven. One day there was unrighteousness found within him and God cast him out of heaven because of it. And he got so, I believe, so he fell so far from his original form. Now he's only selfish, unrighteous, full of hate when he was designed to bring glory to God, to bless others, to minister to people. That's what angels do, right? They minister to people. That's what he was designed to do. He's fallen so far from that. Now he attacks people. So that's what sin does. It flips you. You lose, you, you lose the attributes of God. You lose the love, the joy, the peace, the strength, the perspective, the clarity, the amazingness, the power, the presence. You lose it all. Basically, this is just a, such a simple sentence, but it's all I can think to say right now. All the crap that's in the world is Satan. All the good stuff that you see through people when they genuinely love one another is God. How's that for simple? <laughs> and we mess that up so badly. I don't know how, but we do. We go, yeah, but God and this and that, and he's really aggressive and da 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 It's like, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen the fact that he got beaten beyond any human semblance? Like, he was beaten so bad, like to become like you <laughs> and then take your place. He takes you, you know, he takes you off the cross like that. The cross is where you're supposed to be. And what's awesome as well is that he doesn't just do that. He takes the part of you that should be, that isn't part of you, your flesh, your selfish ambitions, your desires. And he puts that on the cross with him. It says those who are in Christ have had their flesh crucified with him. 
So the part of you that's not supposed to be, the part of you that's, that's not from God, was crucified. So you don't have to walk in that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Just getting started. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so our whole being, who we were outside of Jesus, was so transformed by sin and death that sin brought that we couldn't help but obey its callings. You guys have been there, right? Where you try to do the right thing, you try to do the, the thing that you want to do and you just can't do it. That's how you will always be without the Spirit of God helping you. 100%. It is impossible. You will continually break not only God's laws, but your own laws that you set for yourself. You will. You'll fall short of them. People can't even live up to their own standards. Like, outside of Jesus, there's no way I could have. I would have set way higher standards for me than I could ever could have achieved. And even if they were low, I still would have probably broken them. You know what I mean? We're, we're so bound by that. <sighs> but Jesus set us free. All right, let's keep going. Um, open Philippians 2. Sorry, I'm jumping around a lot tonight, but I want you to say that this is everywhere. Philippians chapter 2. Starting from verse 4. If, you haven't hi- if you're a highlighter and you haven't highlighted this verse, I mean this passage, you, Philippians 2, 4, 4 to 11, um, you need to highlight this. This is amazing. Um, starting verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind, the selfless mind, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The selfless mind is yours, guys. <laughs> um, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. In the likeness of God? No. In the likeness of men, born as we were. <laughs> um, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, so because of this, God has exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every name should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on. Yeah. Whoa. Scripture is powerful. Um, so Jesus, the Son of God, says he has the glory he said he had the same glory that God had before the creation of the world right he goes equality is equality with God being one with God right now is actually not a thing to be grasped I'm not going after that what I'm going after is people and so he empties himself takes on the form of a servant takes on the form of a man comes to earth and then Romans 3 flip back there What did he do when he got here? Well, he lived a life pleasing to God. He loved people. He set people free. Preached that the kingdom of God is here. And he had his eyes fixed on the cross the whole time, walking to Jerusalem. It says at one point, I think it's in Luke's gospel, and he set his face towards Jerusalem. <laughs> How crazy is that? He goes, yeah, let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's time for the cross. So Romans three twenty-one. I've heard some people say from verse 21 to 26 is maybe the most important verses in the Bible. But yeah, that's their opinion. I also think it's amazing. But yeah, anyway, verse 21. 
But now the righteousness of God. Say righteousness. Righteousness. Whoa. (laughs) Jesus' name. Has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So Jesus became the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And that means so much more than you think it means. I don't even know the depth of what that means. I'm still learning what that means. It's such a deep, rich truth. Jesus was crushed. Guys, you've got to get this. Just everyone look at me for a second. Look at me. Everyone look at me. Jesus. Okay. He, he, he did a swap with us. He took his perfect righteousness, which was made manifest, right? Made, means, manifest means something becomes into being, right? His righteousness was made manifest. He then swapped. He did a trade with us. He swapped his righteousness for our sin. And it says that he became sin. And then God smashed him on the cross, crushed him. And he goes, he goes, you guys go free. Have my righteousness. Live a life worthy of that calling. Wow. Walk righteous from now on. And we go, but I'm always going to sin. I'm always going to be a wretch. Walk righteous from now on. You've been set free from sin. Oh. The next chapter, Romans 6, or next few chapters. <sighs> Pretty crap trade for Jesus, right? Well, actually, no, because he gets, he gets you. And he is so stoked about that. You guys have no idea how deep his love runs for you. You have no idea. I have no idea. I might, I might have known by this point in my life, 0.2% of God's love for me, and I'm still overwhelmed crying. Come on. Imagine the other 99.8%. <laughs> One day, I'll know. He's showing me. He's showing me more. He so loves us. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Now, okay. Few more verses. Just going to tie this all together. Um, this is Hebrews ten ten. And by that will we have been made holy. Say holy. 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 Who's holy? You. Really? I thought God was holy. We have been made holy. Ha- have been made. That's past tense, not future tense. We have been made holy. This is why you got to read slow, guys. <laughs> We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You know, there's angels in heaven right now on repeat going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you know why they pick that word? There's no greater word to describe him. And Jesus goes, I've made you guys holy. Are you kidding me? Is that a joke? See, <laughs> Hebrews 10.10. 10. 
All right, 1 John 2, 2. He is, Jesus, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God's righteousness is, his, is who he is. His amazing godness. His, his character. What he's like. His goodness. And he goes, yeah, I'm going to make you guys like that. But how, how, how are you going to do that, God? Well, I'm going to make my son become sin. And then I'm not going to hold you accountable for the sins that you did. And I'm going to set you free. And by the way, in so doing, I'll give you his righteousness because he lived exactly how I wanted a human to live on this earth. How I designed from the very beginning. To say no to the devil and say yes to God. Pretty simple. See, I'm actually, I think, I think I'm making this more simple for you guys, right? It's pretty, it's pretty like... It's pretty easy. Like, I think we get lost in the words propitiation, like sacrifice by the blood, like the body, the, the lion and the lamb. It's just like, man, that's all good. But like at the end of the day, like Jesus is like, we get his righteousness and he becomes sin and God crushed him and destroyed sin forever. Sin has been destroyed. Who here believes that? Yeah. Yes. You sure? Yeah. Interesting. It's good. Interesting. <laughs> huh? Just interesting. <laughs> you're a funny man. I don't know what you're on about. Um, wow, okay. Um, yeah, okay. So that was part three. I, f- I forgot to say part three. Part three, the cross of Christ. Sorry, you can just maybe do a little arrow in or something. Um, and now, <laughs> yeah, part four. New creations. This four-part series tonight, guys. New creations. Flip your Bible open. Second Corinthians chapter five. Some of you know where I'm going. Uh, the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ. Yeah. Jesus. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting verse 17. You there, Ange? I opened it to there. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Good on ya. Um, definitely, 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 definitely highlight this verse. 100%. So, okay, start from 16. Ben's got a prophetic word. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5, 16. From now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we were once regarded, what we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. So Jesus sees the whole world no longer according to the flesh. Doesn't see you for your sin, he sees you for who you are, who you created to be. And that's how you can see other people. Thank you, Ben, that's good. Um, <laughs> Uh, verse 17 therefore if anyone is in Christ is anyone here in Christ? sweet well it says it says you're a new creation did you guys know that? it says okay think about this new creation think about creation creation 
like God created the world, right? And He created man. You're a new, you're not a new human. You're a new creation. And some, some, sometimes the word gets translated species. Legit. You're a new species. We've never seen a species before on earth. We know what humans look like. We've never seen this one before. That's what you are in Jesus. Wow. Okay, and this is going to qualify it even more for right now in this moment. The next little bit. The old has. Say has. Has. Is that past, present, or future? Past. Past. The old has passed. (laughs) Away. Behold, which means look. Look. The new has come. Has. Again. Past tense. The old in, in in the past, back in the day. The old passed away. And now, also back in the day, the new has come. So are you a new creation right now? Yes. You sure? Yeah. You're not, not just waiting for heaven? Nope. <laughs> you sure? Even right now? Mm-hmm. But what if you messed up last week? Good. Good? We encourage it. I'm going to have a chat with you after this, Brad. <laughs> Lost in translation. Yeah. <laughs> From English to English. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, actually, let's just keep reading. Uh, verse 18. All this is from God. What, what, what do you say? All? All. You didn't do anything? You sure? All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Gave who the ministry of reconciliation? Us. Us. So what are you going to reconcile? Relationship. People to God. People to God. Yeah, well, apparently the old's passed away and the new's come. So now let's bring that reconciliation to the whole creation. That's, what, that's how you can preach the gospel to all of creation. Because it affects every part of creation. That's, this, this, is, this is the reason why when Jesus came, he said, sickness, go. Because sickness was not part of the intended creation. That's why he said, demons, go. And they had to obey. Because he was someone with authority. Right? Exactly how God intended it from the beginning. See how God's bringing it back to that? He's bringing it back to Genesis 1 and 2. Giving man authority again. Okay. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. It says the world just then. He's reconciling the world. The the word world, usually in the New Testament, has quite a negative connotation. Don't follow the ways of the world. Don't be conformed to the ways of the the world. Um, But the world did uh, did not know Jesus. All these things about the world, right? Jesus goes, be in the world, but not of the world. And then God goes, yeah, I'm going to reconcile the world. Sweet. <laughs> God so loved the world, right? Gave his only son. Um, not counting their trespasses against them and, and entrusting to us the message of re- reconciliation. Wow. I'm just, I'm just reading this fresh with you guys. I didn't, I didn't even read this before I came. He's entrusted us the message of reconciliation. What's the message of reconciliation? Gospel. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. Jesus has come and all the things that went bad are now going to go back to being good again. Through what? Through the name of Jesus, by his blood. Sin was destroyed, so therefore death was destroyed. 
because death came in through sin. Now life can abound fully and that's why Jesus goes, I've come to bring life and life to the full. But the devil comes to still kill and destroy. So we've got to wake up to what the message that God has given to us, the message of reconciliation. How can we reconcile all these things? How can we reconcile our broken relationships? Um, our parents sort of split up. How can we reconcile sickness that is like destroying people's bodies? Like this message is to all creation, right? To everything. It affects every part of creation. It's not this one narrow thing. It's huge. It's broad. It's amazing. It affects everyone, everywhere, all the time, everything. I can't speak about it enough. It goes so far, so deep, so wide, so high. That's the gospel. The gospel is not like practice your sinners, talk to other people and then, and then hopefully you can lead them to get to the point where they go, oh, I need a savior and then you can tell them about Jesus and then they can go to heaven. And like we do that stuff in church. I'm like, I get the point of doing that sort of stuff, but it's bigger than that. It's better than that. And God wants more than that. That's why your heart, like some, some of you guys have really, really passionate hearts and you know about it and your heart's been screaming out for more your whole life and you don't even know, you don't even know how to explain that. I was hanging out with a friend the other day and he's like still working some stuff out theologically and whatever, he's, he's an amazing guy. And he goes, you know what, Nate, the other day, I tried to walk on water and he doesn't believe that at all. He doesn't, he doesn't really believe in like miracles and that sort of stuff. He goes, I tried it. And I go, dude, can you see that's the Holy Spirit in you going, yeah, I think that should be possible. Like it's got to come from somewhere. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's your, it's your heart being real awakened and reunited uh, with God's original vision. Creation serving you, not you serving creation. You know what I mean? Us serving the creator, not the creation. It's Romans 1, right? We, we, we swapped the two. We served and worshipped creation. Yeah. Wow. Therefore, we are ambassadors. Oh my gosh, this kid's getting better. <laughs> Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Okay, when you're an ambassador for a country, what do you represent when you go to another country? You you, exactly. You represent the fullness of that country. If you're an ambassador for Australia, you represent Australia. So now Jesus has gone to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God and he lives inside of you. But now we're ambassadors for him, right? That's what it just says. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Jesus goes in Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So now we represent Jesus wherever we go. Or we, I like this, we represent him. You know what I'm saying? Ambassadors, we represent who? Jesus. Wherever you go, that's why you... See how it all, it's all coming together, right? It's all making sense. We're supposed to walk like Jesus, be like Jesus. That's why, it's given us, that's why he's given us his spirit. That's why he's the firstborn among many brothers. We're the brothers. That's why he's the king of kings. We're the kings. That's why he's the lord of lords. We're the lords. Because he intended for us dominion. I reckon God's going to give me a planet when I get to heaven. He goes, here you go, Nath. Have fun. I actually think that. And then, Brad, you can, you, you can, come, over, you can come over to my planet for a few million years as well. We'll just hang out. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> if he's restoring, if he's restoring all things that he wrote down, right? Isn't he going to restore dominion? So what am I going to have dominion over God? Something for sure. I'm not going to rule over other people. Like that's not how it's supposed to be. Like I'm going to rule over something that he's created, and that's where I'm going to find the fullness of him, the fullness of God, right? Because God's a ruler. 
God's in dominion. God's a king. God creates. Jesus. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Can't get past that right now. God making his appeal through us. Oh my God. God making his appeal through us. So we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Oh my goodness. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I legit, when I was like writing this talk, he actually told me to stop at one point and he goes, I'll do the rest. And, I, and now I know what he's talking about. So I, I've, I've stopped at this point. I didn't write anything else. And he goes, I'll do the rest. So thank you, Jesus. I didn't even read this before I came. So that's amazing. Holy Spirit. Okay. Wow. Okay. It's almost nine. So I'm going to wrap it up in a couple of seconds. But I'm going to just read to you some scripture. Okay, actually, guys, close your eyes. Listen and receive this. It's okay. No one heard it. <laughs> um, close your eyes. Listen and receive this. Receive every word. I'm going to read it out with authority because that's how it's supposed to be read. This is Ephesians 1, starting from verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the Spirit, capital S, of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God. That's Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, 
not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation mm -hmm. under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you can open your eyes again, guys. That was Colossians 1, by the way. Last few things. In Luke 10, 19, so I told you to highlight Luke 19, 10 before. Flip those numbers. Luke 10, 19, Jesus says, I've given you uh, authority to tread on so uh, scorpions and snakes and to tread on the power of the enemy, right? The disciples come back and they're cheering. They go, even the devil submit to us in your name. And then Jesus, a few sentences later, it says he rejoiced in this. And if you look up that word, rejoice, this is actually kind of crazy to picture for Jesus, right? It, it actually means to shout and leap with joy. Wow. Okay, picture this for a second. He sends out his disciples, the 72. He sends them out. He gives them power. They go out and they see people being afflicted and, and tormented by demons and sickness and whatever. And they set them free in the name of Jesus. And they're shocked that it happens. That's what, that's what it sounds like. They're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. They come back and they go, God, like, uh, sorry, Jesus. Like they, they submitted to your name. And he goes, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice in the fact that your name is written in the book of life. Wow. But then he says he jumps with joy and rejoices, right? Why is he so stoked? Because God, it's coming back to the original creation. See, God intended for man to rule over creation, not the other way around. And this is the first time it's happening since the garden. The disciples using the name of Jesus to cast out the enemy. Jesus goes, I saw Satan fall like lightning. That's what he says. And he's stoked. He, he does a leap of joy. Can you imagine Jesus doing that? <laughs> Yahoo! <laughs> he's like, we're getting there. We're getting somewhere. He's, you know he's focused on just his wedding day when it all comes back together. Now, this last thing, last thing I promise. How do you know what is for now and what's for heaven? Because for sure, you will read things in the New Testament that are for heaven. How do you reckon I would, you guys would figure that out? Take a wild stab. Jesus. The life of Jesus. It's the same answer every time, isn't it? <laughs> I was so, going to take a while and then I was like, no, I've got to pounce. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> just follow, follow your heart. If ever I just pause for a second and say the life of Jesus, I'll be like, you got it. Um, <laughs> Okay, the life of Jesus. So, what Jesus represented on the earth, that's the element of the kingdom that is now. Okay? So, everything that he represented on the earth. So, casting out sickness, casting out devils, preaching the kingdom of God is here, is at hand, is in you, is near you. Reconciling people, calling sinners to repentance, baptizing them, filling them with the Holy Spirit, giving them power, sending them out, building the church. That's the now part. Now, there's parts that are not now. And that's the part where when Jesus rose from the dead, you, know, you notice how they didn't recognize him? They were like, oh, who, who is this guy? Because he didn't come back with his normal body. He came back with his resurrected body. And that's because he's the forerunner of us, right? So when we die, we're going to have a resurrected body and then go to heaven. We're going to get a new body. Awesome. Um, lots of passages talking about that. That's not for now. You don't get the resurrected body now. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's, so what I want you to know is it's not all now, but it's not all later. There's some that's now and there's some that's later. And the some that's now, look at the life of Jesus. Because he goes, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And what do they do in Acts? Actually, pretty much exactly what Jesus was doing. 
And to some extent, even greater. I don't see Jesus healing anyone with his shadow. But Peter somehow did. Paul healed people with his handkerchief and apron. Jesus didn't, there's no record of Jesus doing that. Maybe he did it, I don't know. But there's no record of it. Yeah. His cloak, yeah. But this was not even attached to Paul. It just, was, they picked it up and they got healed. It's just, you know what I mean? It just, it was going up. It was getting more intense. You know what I mean? Because Jesus was building his church. So we've got to wake into this. You know what I mean? And I understand it's not all for right now, Nate. Nate, you're going way too far. You're, taking, you're, you're, taking a, you're putting way too much pressure on today. That's all in heaven. No, it's not. The life of Jesus is what reveals truth. And he represented a life that I'm now an ambassador of, right? Which is what we just read. Yep. I'm an ambassador to represent him to the world. So what he established as, as new, that's for right now. And for the stuff in the future, that's for the future. You know what I mean? All stuff about heaven and the resurrected body and the wedding of the bride and Satan being cast down to the lake of fire. He hasn't been cast down to the lake of fire yet. You guys know that? He hasn't been, he's, he's still very much wandering the earth to and fro, looking for whom he can devour. That's still present reality. So it's not all done yet, but it all has been finished by the work of Jesus, by the cross of Christ. It didn't just forgive your sins, although praise God that he forgave our sins, right? Don't hear me making little of that. I'm not. I'm just saying it's that and then that and then that and then that until it becomes a full circle and you get that Jesus is bringing it all back to the beginning, but better this time. Because we know we're not going to choose that tree again. Because that was a bad choice. Is <sighs> making sense? Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Any questions? Alright. How about I just pray for you guys. Bless you in the name of Jesus. And then we'll go out and represent him to the world, right? Yeah? yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Bless your holy name. You are amazing and we love you. There's no part of me right now that, that's doing this because it's the right thing to do or because I'm the speaker, because I'm up front or I finished my sermon, so you've got to do a prayer. I freaking love you, God. You are my best friend. You are my best friend. I don't know, I don't know who I would be without you, Jesus. And I think a lot of us in the room can say the same thing. And for those of us who are still getting there, Father, I pray that you would pour out your spirit of wisdom and revelation on those people and enlighten the eyes of their hearts, just yeah. like Ephesians 1 says, right? They would know the hope that, that to, to which they are called and the power of his resurrection that's within us. Yeah. Father, may we just be a, a community that seeks your face, seeks your presence, seeks to know you, seeks to be all about the gospel because the gospel is all about life. The gospel is amazing, God. The gospel is amazing. Sink it deep into our hearts, Father. Bless these people in Jesus' name. Bless everyone listening to this recording. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Darkness, leave people's bodies. Leave their lives in the name of Jesus. Now, peace in the name of Jesus. Be set free. Be reconciled. Walk like Jesus. Get rid of excuses. Believe God. Pursue Him. Go home tonight. Lay on your face and say, God, I give you my whole life. Say it every single day. God, I give you everything. Every grace of, every drop of grace available for me, God. Make it so I'm underneath that waterfall. In the name of Jesus. Peace to everyone, God. Peace in the name of Jesus. Mark this community, God, as a, as a community marked with joy, 
as a community marketed all the things that were intended from your original design, your creation, God, in the name of Jesus. Guys, I just learned today that amen means let it be so. It doesn't mean I agree. It means let it be so. So all the promises of Christ are yes and amen, which means they are yes and let them happen. So everyone agree with what I'm saying? Say amen with me. Amen. amen. In the name of Jesus. Peace. Wow. Thank you, guys. The end. Um, yes.